Hello, everybody, and welcome to Take Two. Good evening. Hope you all are doing well. I'm here with Alex, and we are going to be talking about what I shared on Sunday. Uh, a reminder, this Saturday at 6 p.m. at Corinne in My House, we are having a get-together, and you all are invited. Um, I don't know who all of you are yet, but <laughs> you guys can come down. It's on our social media so if you go to our Instagram page or Facebook page, uh, the address and information is there. It's kind of a potluck. We've got the main dishes uh, set. Unless a ton of you come, then we might need to get more. But uh, otherwise, we're, what we're expecting will be fine. And if you want to bring a side dish, salad, or dessert, great, you can do that. But we had such a great time at Ben's and the get-together. Uh, we want to do that again. And this is part of our trying to connect uh, with each other in a more substantial way. Even as we have been meeting here for the last half hour, at least those of us who are here, and we've had some great conversations. It has been a lot of fun. And so you guys are welcome on Take Two to get here at 6.30 and to join into that conversation before we actually go live. And Jordan is reminding me there is a hike. The hike is taking place next, this this Saturday morning at 8 o'clock at the Claremont Loop, Jordan leaves at 8 o'clock. So if you get there at 8.01, he's gone already. He's, you'll have to catch him up a minute ahead of you. So the hike this Saturday, 8 a.m., the uh, get-together, 6 p.m. at our house. And then next Tuesday is the philosophy and critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's at 7 p.m. right here at the Genesis Building. So things happening. And... Let's get started. So, time out. It's Sam's birthday, people. <laughs> All right. Two things he didn't tell you. There's snacks. There's water. So if you come next time for take two, you will have snacks. You will have water. You will make sure that you are well taken care of. So make sure you join us next week in person or online, whichever you feel most comfortable. And yes, it is Sam's birthday. So if you're seeing this, if it's after, if it's live, whichever, send him all the love. Shoot him a text message. Go on Instagram, whatever. You need give him a phone call. Write him a letter. <laughs> Um, drive by his house. His address is on the IG, so <laughs> we all know. <laughs> uh, buy him lunch. Um, just something to, to say thank you and celebrate him. So happy birthday, uh, Sam. Thank you. I'm super happy and grateful to be celebrating this way with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> of course, of course. And, uh, yeah, it's great. After a while, birthdays are like, ah, here's another one. Um, but I am 62 years old, just Whee! for those who are wondering. That's how old I am. So uh, put that there. And okay. Thank you. Um, it was <laughs> part two of the politics of Jesus, mm -hmm. right? And, and we're really trying to look at how Jesus is wanting us to live our lives in this world. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm going through, the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. And we went through the blessings. Basically, there's nine of them that are there. Um, this past Sunday, you actually read them at the beginning. And my desire was to help us see that th what these aren't and what they are, right? And, and what these weren't, I mentioned a few things. This isn't a ladder mm -hmm. that you climb your way up, right? You, you uh, are someone who 
is poor in spirit and that'll make you mourn and then when you mourn that'll make you a person who's meek and once you're a person who's meek it'll make you hunger and thirst and so on it's not that mm -hmm. and we know it's not that because of the word that's used the word for blessed there are two words that are used in Greek. One is for, you know, oh, like I would pronounce a blessing on you, some kind of, oh, may you prosper and be in health. This word is used as something that you already have, and I compared it to an inheritance, mm -hmm. right? You, you Blessed are the children of Bill and Melinda Gates. Well, maybe, you know, now that they're divorced. Um, but their inheritance is theirs, even though they might not yet have it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the blessing that he's talking about. And so it's more like congratulations than, oh, you can do this and be a blessed person or be happy. Um, so let me start there and see if you've got any thoughts regarding that or questions in general. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts. And it's funny because it's it's cool that I got to read the text in person and then also get invited to do take two because mm -hmm. I get to do a little a bit of a deeper dive than we did just me read going up and reading and yeah. listening to you. Um, but for me, like the deep dive started even before we got into the Beatitudes. So like the setting of the scene was really important for me. And I there was a lot that I unpacked in just those few couple of sentences in the very, very beginning. So I think it was like one through three. So I think before we even get started um, going into those, I think it's important or I'd love for you to talk again about setting the scene. Mm. Like give give me where where were we at historically? What was going on? Where, yeah. Yeah. Take no, us there. Good. Yeah, that's good because that was an important part. I mean, in chapter four, Matthew tells us who the people were. Mm hmm. Right, And he tells us that they were people who were afflicted with disease, pains, oppressed by demons, suffering seizures and paralytics, which is unusual that he's so specific. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of these people and their situation disqualified them from being able to go into the temple mm -hmm. and worship. Mm -hmm. Right, And then Jesus comes up to a mountain and sits down. And Matthew writing that, going up to the mountain, sitting down, these people would immediately reflect back to Moses, who went up to the mountain and brought down the Ten Commandments. And so we're being set up to understand this is someone who's important, someone who's monumental, and what he's going to be giving us is something that is going to be for the people, right, the nation. This isn't just a, a good little, you know, talk about these things. This is like the start of a whole new nation. Mm -hmm. Right, where Moses, when he brought down the commandments and the law, that is what determined who Israel was. Mm -hmm. That's what brought them together to be as a nation. And now Jesus is doing this, but it's a different nation. Mm -hmm. And it's not just to the Jewish people. And again, this is why it's kind of the politics of Jesus, is because this is supposed to govern his people. And so that is the setting. And, and it's an important one because, as I mentioned too, Matthew is writing to the Jewish people, mm -hmm. and they're going to pick up on all these nuances where we might not, you know, we're not used to those comparisons. We're not used to uh, the imagery that they would see or the scriptures that Jesus refers to. And so Matthew lets them fill in the, the blank spaces where, like in the Gospel of Luke, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. He fills them in for us because Luke's writing to a different audience. And so that's kind of the stage that's set there. 
with who he's writing to and the power of this moment and what's happening, which is, again, very monumental because this is like the beginning of a whole new nation. Yeah, and that, a, a lot of things right now that you just said kind of resonated with me the first time I listened to it on Saturday and then live and then when I re-listened to it. But that piece about audience was like, that really stuck out to me mm -hmm. too because um, who he chose to speak to, why did he choose to speak, like yeah. what was the message? So, so many different things. I mean, in the beginning, him going up to the mountain but then sitting down. Mm -hmm. Like the symbolism for that, for me, is super powerful. Mm -hmm. Just going up, but then leveling out, right? Mm -hmm. And I think accessibility for me, that's what it was talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, he, I'm I'm not above you. I'm, I'm going yeah. up, but I'm here so we can be here together, right? right? So symbolically, I thought that was beautiful. And then, you know, you talked about, you, you alluded to this being his first sermon, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like how major, right? So it's yeah. not that folks didn't know about him prior to this, but this was the first time he might have chosen to speak. Yeah. Yeah, that's recorded in Matthew. It, it's the first time. And again, Matthew has five different sections of teaching uh -huh. of Jesus. The Torah has five different books, mm -hmm. right? Again, all these things are, are symbolizing mm -hmm. this, but the starting of this teaching, it, it is really building off of what, Matthew tells us in chapter 4, wherein Jesus says, let's see, I have it written down, verse 17, he began to preach saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm -hmm. Right? And again, we've talked about that for quite a while. What it means is God's kingdom is here. Mm -hmm. It's something you can take hold of. Mm -hmm. And that's what he is really talking about. Throughout mm -hmm. this first sermon, he's talking about, I want you to see how this really looks. Yeah. All right? And again, it's so countercultural to the people at that time, and I still think it is to our culture mm -hmm. today. These aren't the people you would want to build a kingdom with. You know, the, these are the leftovers. This is that, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? The misfit, you know, <laughs> toys that didn't fit. You know, th these are those people that don't qualify and Jesus marks out qualifications that they fit. Mm -hmm. And that's the beautiful part of this is God's kingdom isn't lofty where you can't reach it. It's actually, like you said, sitting there with the people who don't even realize that it's already in their midst. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that was so, so awesome. Like yeah. I really did because I was like, this is so cool because it's not like this is the first time he's coming on the scene. This is just the first recorded sermon, right? So he had already this buzz about yeah. him, but his choice to speak to this group specifically as the first, I thought was really powerful. Cause yeah. I was like, oh wow, like this is a statement piece, right? Yeah. And it's not just what he's saying, it's who he's saying it to, right? Yeah. And, and it's almost like they're the same, Yeah. right? What he's saying and who he's saying it to, yep. he's molding them together. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. poor in spirit and mm -hmm. mourning and meek and hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Right, these I mean, they're things that exemplified who he was, but it's also things that it exemplified in these people, mm -hmm. and it helped them to see that well, maybe we're not far from God after all, right? You know, um, so it, it is a very sobering start 
because it, it shakes the tree with all the people who think they're so good and so lofty. And it really is a smack mm -hmm. in the face of the religious system at that time and the political system at that time that was about power and about control mm -hmm. and manipulation. Mm -hmm. And he shakes that tree and he says, the kingdom doesn't look like that. Right, right. It looks like this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah, Sunday was powerful. Sunday was a powerful time together. It was. It was, I mean, with the worship in Lydia, it yeah. did a great job. And just the people, yeah, it was, it was really powerful. I was really moved Sunday just with the whole time there. Yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah. Um, if you didn't, if you weren't here, you didn't watch, go back and watch. It was great. <laughs> Play worship again. It was great. Not just because my husband was on the cajon. Yeah, was. <laughs> But it was just good. It was good to be with people and worshiping together. And yeah, it was a really special time. I, mean, I think, gosh, I'm going to get emotional. Uh, <laughs> It's, my it's your birth birthday. It's my birthday. <laughs> you can cry if I you can. want to. <laughs> yes, we took it there. It's fine. Yeah, that's, it's that's fine. where we're at. Um, I, I, looking at the people who are a part of Genesis, I feel like it's very similar. Mm. You know, there's this diversity. And just knowing some of the people and knowing some of the struggles that they're in and the issues they have... Um, it just felt very much similar. Yeah. Right. I, I had this identifying moment like, yeah, Jesus would be talking to us, you know. Um, the other day we had the, when we had the building painted, the AA group who meets here on Friday couldn't meet here. So they had to meet at the other space. And so I had to go and unlock the building for them. And then I had to lock the building up after they left. And so they were just really nice and just talking with them. They're so grateful and thankful. And I locked up the building and I go to my car and I'm sitting in my car and I'm looking. There's probably 25 people outside the building just like chain smoking like crazy, right? Because they don't drink anymore, so we got to do something. I guess, right? <laughs> so they're just smoking and their language is really colorful and they're laughing. And I just stopped back and I thought... If someone were to drive by and see this group outside of our building, what would they think? And I thought, I like it, mm. right? I thought, I like it. I like what they would think. I would like that they would think that, oh, this is a church, but look at these people. Oh, they can come here, mm -hmm. right? And I, I feel like that's what's happening with Jesus. It's like, look at these people. Oh, they can be a part of God's kingdom. Right. Like well, maybe I can too, right? Jordan, we were talking about what did you call it? The sinners, the sinners paradox. The sinners paradox, right? Where the the place that sinners need to be is in the front row of something like this, and the place they feel they can't be is in that front row at a church, right? Because that's made for the Christians, right? And so, yeah, there's a lot of powerful things. Yeah, there. I think you said it a few times on Sunday where you said, you know you know, Jesus was like, this is what my kingdom looks like. And you said that a few times. And mm -hmm. so it made me think like, not what does my kingdom look like, but mm. what does my circle of influence look like? Mm. Does it look as beautiful and diverse? Does it look as messy and <laughs> confused, you know, yeah. or, or what company am I being, am I being selective? Am I, you know, so yeah. just kind of like also checking me too, like who am I speaking to who what yeah. mountain am i sitting down on and and what does the audience look like right yeah yeah what kingdom are we trying to build right right um yeah because again uh, you know mm. 
in, in a lot, I, I, you know, I want to be careful because there's so many good communities of faith out there and I've learned from so many and grown from so many, but I know that there is a, an ideology of, well, you have to have a lot of people, right? And you want to have a lot of influential people mm-hmm. and you want to have, you know, your <clears throat> music has to sound a certain way and your building has to look a certain way. And sometimes the kingdom just doesn't look like that, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the kingdom looks more like, you know, the bunch of misfits. It looks like, you know, people who you mm-hmm. wouldn't see together. It looks like people who are struggling, you know, people who have problems with their temper, people who have problems, you know, knowing how to cope and and all these different things. Sometimes the kingdom looks like that mm-hmm. and it has to be understood by those people that they are welcome into this kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important that that is presented because I think that was really... Jesus was contrasting who he was talking to with who was running the show at mm-hmm. that time. And he was doing it very intentionally um, in his words. Yeah. You know. That's good stuff. <laughs> That's good stuff. Let's see. I know that one of the other distortions that I talk about is that these are separate commitments, right? Where there is. Um, the meek and there is the poor in spirit and there is the peacemakers and we tend to say oh yeah we're maybe one of those Mm -hmm. but what matthew does is he sandwiches them all together right it was called the inclusio from the first blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of god to the very last one for theirs is the kingdom of god everything in between is included as this is all a part of it. Mm-hmm. And again, it was like a stained glass where you got all these individual mm-hmm. pieces and colors, but then you put them together and they make a picture and shared that the picture really is that of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And I also shared the story of Kareen making sandwiches for that time we went to Mexico and that she couldn't go, um, but that lady who ate the sandwich for the first time, I'll never forget that. It was like, this 80 year old lady who'd never had a sandwich. Yeah. You know, and it was like an amazing thing to her. And it was all in there. She just kept saying, it's all there. It's all there. It's yeah. all there. <laughs> right? And that's really, Jesus is saying, see this? It's all there. Yeah. Right? It's all part of that kingdom. Um, so I think that's important to see that they aren't individual things that stand on their own, but together they stand and make what the kingdom looks like. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, like our lived experience isn't that, right? It's kind Mm -hmm. of like, oh, what's the catch, right? And so we're not used to receiving all of the benefits that come with within the parentheses, if you Mm -hmm. will, you know, like all all of it. And so then we, when something like this sometimes is offered, right, the -hmm. kingdom is offered, you're like, oh, well, what's the catch? Yeah. You know, nobody ever comes to me with an offer like, like this. Yeah. Right. And so then you're like, mm, I'm not sure. Or what is, you know, do I, yeah. do I really get all that? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think too, because there's a lot of diversity in these blessings, uh-huh. it, it requires the collective, right? It mm-hmm. requires everybody because mm-hmm. I might not be all of these things, but I can participate maybe in a little of these things. And, and again, that's why, you know, when Jesus is saying, you know, these things, he's talking to a group of people, not to individuals, but to individuals who are a part of a group. Mm-hmm. And it's important to see that distinction because we can take that individualism and say, oh, yeah, this is mine. 
or he's talking to me. And yes, he is, but he's talking to you and them. And if we don't see that we are with them, we start to divide what God is really trying to do in his kingdom, right? Because there is no division. There is no mm -hmm. Jew or Greek, you know, slave or free, male nor female. This is all part of his kingdom and we all play a part. And so I think it's important to see those distinguishing aspects of it so we don't divide what he's trying to unite together. I think maybe I would want you to expand on that a little bit more because I even wrote in the margins when you were speaking, you versus the collective. And so I think I was trying to process something there and yeah. it didn't come into a complete thought, but just how did you get to the fact that this was like a, a collective thing as opposed, like yeah. what's the dangers or, you know? Well, I mentioned it uh, that when they would read the Bible, they never read it by themselves. They read it in a group. Mm -hmm. It was at synagogue. Now the rabbis would study it, but then when they'd process it, they'd process it together. Mm. Um, and even the church, when they read the letters, they didn't just read them, oh, here's the letter of Paul, go take it home and study it. They would get together at one of the homes and they would read it out loud and then they would talk about mm -hmm. it, right? And the whole idea of the collective is that's how community was meant to be had. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be like, hey, this is what they're saying. What do you guys think? Mm -hmm. And then, well, he's meaning this. These are the words. And the rabbis could say, well, this is taken from this passage of the scripture. Or, you know, someone in the a pastor at a church could say, well, we know that this is what we see in Jesus fulfilling and bring a little bit more insight. But then it was supposed to be digested together. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea of the collective. It's not just, oh, it's just for you. It's meant to be something that you share in a community and see yourself as part of where when we hear something like you are the light of the world or whatever you pray believe that you receive okay i'm just going to pray well it was never meant just to be you right right so what would happen if say when you pray you thought of all the people who are part of your community mm -hmm. or all the people who are part of your nation or all the people who are part of the world mm -hmm. right now it starts to change what that prayer might look like you know, well, maybe I don't need the Ferrari, right? Maybe the prayer that I have is a little bit bigger mm -hmm. and is a little bit more inclusive. And it starts to open my understanding of what that actually means. Mm -hmm. Whatever you pray, believe that you receive and you will have it. Okay, how do I take those words and put them into a community mm -hmm. setting? And how does it change what those words look like, mm -hmm. right? Or I can, you know, all those things that we can do these things together instead of just, oh, it's for me. Yeah. Um, and I know the tendency is like, oh, but it is for me, right? Mm -hmm. We have that. And of course, but it's not just for you. And can you see that it includes others, mm -hmm. right? I, I think the fact that we have such a hard time embracing this understanding of how Jesus looks at the world, like Jesus is saying, these are the things that the kingdom looks like, and this is what is going to reign. Mm -hmm. How does that happen in a society that is all about might makes right, the powerful are the ones who make the rules? I mean, look at, we've got billionaires going into space, mm -hmm. right? And like everyone else gets to be down here, mm -hmm. right? And, and so it's like, no, they're the ones who get to do the stuff. We just have to sit here and buy the you know stuff on Amazon. <laughs> 
how does that change? And, and it's so impossible in our mindset sometimes to think that that's a reality. And that's how far removed we are from mm -hmm. the reality that mm -hmm. it is. Does that help? Yeah, I think so. I think that helps bring in a little, a little bit more. It's a lot. But it's good. It is. And again, I, I struggled digesting this because, man, it just doesn't seem like that. I, I think about my friends who, you know, are like, oh, man, we got to make sure that our rights are heard or, you know, our our people, whatever, you know, a group of people it is, they need to have, you know, their voice and we can't let it be trampled on. And are you telling us that they need to be quiet? And I'm not saying they need to be quiet. I'm just saying that our voice has to be a part of a bigger voice of a kingdom and it's got to be a lot more inclusive than maybe we're thinking and if we would think that way in whatever group we're in it would help us reach out and actually make peace um in a more tangible way yeah you know but it's hard yeah, because it's it's funny. I always tell people they like the idea of teamwork, but nobody really wants to work as a team. You like this idea, right? Yeah. You re you know you yeah. think like yes, like theoretically that sounds great, but the amount of time and energy that it takes to have collective leadership and collective decision making, mm -hmm. people really don't want to invest in that. You like the idea of it, yeah, but you don't. Re that's not what you really want, right? Yeah. Because it's a lot of work, and so the same thing here is like the collective effort mm -hmm. is a lot of work yeah so people even though ideally they want that are you really ready to yeah. put that work in you know because yeah. it's it's not the easy way what's that meme that says i want all the people on my team to lower the casket into the grave so they can let me down one more time oh, my goodness. <laughs> great <laughs> Comedic break uh, uh, there, <laughs> yeah. but it is hard, right? It, yeah, it, it's hard work dealing with others. But we, we've even in the church setting where we talk about things, we don't talk about them as a, a group, right? The pastor tells us mm -hmm. what we're believing, and then we usually just go along with it, mm -hmm. right? And, and so, trying to change that, um, you know, I mean, that's part of what this is supposed to right. be, right? It's like, well, let's talk about it. I mean, last week when I was talking with Jordan, I mean, Jordan was saying, well, what about this, right? Jordan threw some other things out there that were, I don't want to say contradictory, but in conflict with, you know, mm -hmm. so that had to be branched out a little bit and more. And I appreciate those things, right? Mm -hmm. I want to have uh, thoughts that aren't just, oh, you know, let's let's bolster what you already have said. Right? Yeah, I want to I want to hear something that has more to it that makes me have to think deeper mm -hmm. or rethink. Oh, I never thought of it from your point of view. I remember I was at a, a thing that Rob Bell did. He did a thing on communication and he was throwing up these pictures and he was, you know, commenting on them. And he threw one up of I forget what it was. It was spam and uh some other food and he was kind of making lighthearted like this was you know a, a delicacy or something like that and someone asked when he said that goes that was a delicacy for us you know and you're make you're making light of it but it was something mm -hmm. and it was great because it, it just opened the conversation to be inclusive mm -hmm. right and if he didn't allow the interaction it would have just went on right right it's like oh and some people would have laughed because spam is not considered a delicacy ha 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 yeah it's spam 
us white people, you know? And then this person said, no, that was a delicacy for us. Mm -hmm. And it just changed the whole dynamic of the room and mm -hmm. the conversation because he allowed that conversation to take place. Right. Where now I will never look at spam the same way, right? Because it's like, oh, no, to some people, this is it. And it's really good with seaweed and stuff. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can make spam work. Um, and, and so I, I think that's an important part of this inclusive, you know, nature of Christ and yeah. our connection to others and not just being you know seeing things through our little lens yeah you know because there's so much more that we don't see oh yeah 100 percent. i love that i think it's just not our natural um our yeah um natural way of moving forward is to consider other ways of moving forward yeah or other ways of thinking and how that is such a limiting <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, approach to life. Yeah, I mean, because let's face it, we only have so much ability and so much experience, right? Right. right. But then when you bring in those other experiences, how right. much richer do you become? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, let's go back to the first, um, the first point that you were making: what bees aren't, right? Mm -hmm. Or you had said something about. I even quoted you here. Um, it's theirs now, even though they don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah, the blessing. Yeah, that inheritance idea. Yeah. This belongs to you, but you're not seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what the kingdom is, right? It's here, but it's not yet. Yeah. We're living in it, but we don't see it as a total reality. We're still living in our own individual, you know, countries with their individual governments, with our own you know, problems and those kinds of things. And so it's a difficult thing sometimes to um, embrace that because we get blinded by what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And what Jesus, I think, is calling us to do is to see the invisible. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's what faith is. You know, it, it is believing in what we can't see. And we do it all the time in a lot of different ways. I mean, a lot of the important things in life we don't see, but we experience, you know, love, um, mm -hmm. you know, community, those things. Sometimes we don't see them, but we know what they are and we know how it is affecting our lives. Um, and so I, I think that's kind of what Jesus is trying to get to is this place where you need to see that you have something, even though you tangibly might not have it. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way that the kingdom is going to spread, is if you actually believe that it's real. Mm. And that's what faith is. Mm -hmm. you know. And without that, it's impossible to please God because he's offering us something that takes place within the human heart and soul that needs to come out. Mm -hmm. uh, and it comes out when we believe that it's there. And so... I mean, I think that's kind of at the heart of what he's trying to accomplish with these people, with us, is you got something. Live like it's real. Why is it so hard for us to get there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of pushback in our society. Um, I think there's a lot of pushback in our ego, wanting to appear a certain way mm -hmm. status is an important thing mm -hmm. for us you know um we we all like to feel important and for jesus 
importance is service. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little counter to who we are, I think. It's part of our brokenness that mm -hmm. Jesus is trying to heal. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of sometimes it, it pushes against what we are being sold in our media, mm -hmm. sold in our ego, and these things keep feeding each other. And then Jesus comes along and he just shakes everything up and goes, yeah, now let me show you how it really mm -hmm. is. And it, it sets us back. It, it's kind of traumatic, kind of like we were talking about earlier. It's a little traumatic to be told this, especially if you're a person in power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Especially if you're a Pharisee. It's like, oh, no, you're not going to rock our boat like this or Rome. You know, no, we have peace. We have peace by making sure no one defies us. Yeah. You know, and, and gosh, there's so many ways this connects to our culture. Right? I'll let you guys fill in the blanks, but there are. Mm -hmm. There's just so many ways where this fits in to where we're living now in our system. And again, we're calling it a political system of liberal individualism. Um, and Jesus is pushing against it. Mm. <laughs> Comments from the audience? Or things yeah, you guys have any have. questions? And thank you, Corinne, for wishing me happy birthday. And yes, Gil, spam, Subi is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, interesting the thing you said about spam, where depending on how you look at something, you can place it high or low or left or right. Sometimes the challenge is not placing it high or low, but um, trying not to like screw it into the wall in this place because this is just where you decided to have it mm -hmm. and having it be able to be looked at in different ways and picked up and examined. I think that really helped. Like the, the phrase about the guy, wise guys looking at the jewel from the different sides to mm -hmm. appreciate it, but if you like fixed it in one place, you couldn't do that. It really helps you not do that. Yeah. So Jordan just shared, for those of you listening, just the idea of spam. When you have it fixed in one category, it makes it hard to see it in other ways. And I think, you know, doing the same thing with scripture or these things, if we have it fixed and we don't look at it from those different angles, it blinds us to the other dimensions that it could actually be beautiful. Yeah, and seeing it in action, right? Seeing it in movement more than it just in its fixated state. And I don't know where I had heard it, but it was talking about observing a butterfly in its natural state as opposed to pinned on a board mm -hmm. and how you lose its essence if you're only observing it from there, right? You don't get to see it how it was created to be. Yeah. Moving, you know, yeah. unpredictable. Um, but yeah, so if we just put a pin in it then yeah. you lose the full experience of it yeah yeah definitely and so it's it's a you know god's kingdom is a human kingdom yeah right yeah. and it looks like all the people who are in it yeah right and all that diversity and all that creativity and all that imagination mm -hmm. and all that heartache right and all that suffering mm -hmm. and all that experience of loss and you know uh, loneliness, all these things are a part of this kingdom um, that make it beautiful, you know, make it something that we can identify with mm -hmm. and something that everyone can identify with, right? And, and that's why it's so beautiful who these people are, um, because the kingdom looks like 
these beatitudes, these blessings, and these blessings look a lot like you. Yeah. Right? Um, and so that connection, I think, is, is a powerful one because it is living. Yeah. You know, it, it was showing up there and it shows up here in our life today. And, and it shows up in all the different people and the different, you know, social statuses, right? It's not like some are bad, some are good. Um, they all have something to give, mm -hmm. right? And all the ethnicities, all, all these different cultures, um, it, it's important to be inclusive in that way so that we can not pin the butterfly, you yeah. know, allow it to do its thing and just marvel at it. Yeah. How it looks. I think that it makes people uncomfortable to think about that because it's, you, it's not pinned down, right? It's not yeah. something that they can predict. It's not something that they can control. Control, yeah. You know, exactly. and it requires more of you as a participant in a relationship with a butterfly that's flying as opposed to a butterfly that's pinned down. Yeah. You know, it, it's going to require you to move in different ways that you weren't. make you uncomfortable. Right, yeah, is right. it going to land on my nose? What's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. And, and then when it does land on your nose, you don't know what to do with it because from my under, or the way I feel is, you know, the our education system didn't raise and grow people to relate to one another in mm. that way, right? Yeah. So we were raised in this system that does that didn't teach us those types of skills or didn't encourage those types of yeah. reflective and metacognitive practice, Yeah, it was right? more production. Correct. Right. How do we produce? Right. And so then produce? you have grown-ups, and, you know, we've talked about this before, like you have grown-ups who are incapable of relating with one another in that way, and they're also running the country, and they're running schools, <laughs> and they're making decisions on behalf of, you know, like, yeah. oh, man, we took the relationship out because we don't know how to relationship. Yeah, because that's too much work. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's just make it a math equation. Right. Let's make it systematic. This is how you do it, and then we can ship it anywhere in the world. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so true. This is so different. Mm -hmm. This way of, can't even call it running things, this way of living, mm -hmm. right? This kingdom mentality is one that is so um, organic in how it connects to one another and how it connects to each culture mm -hmm. that it finds itself in, mm -hmm. right? And that's the beauty of it. You can take this kingdom and you could put it in Israel and you can put it in Rome mm -hmm. and you can put it in the United States and you can put it in Mexico and it can grow there, mm -hmm. right? It flourishes everywhere that it is because it's connected to the people right. who are in it. Right. And, and that's the beauty of it. Um, the hard part or the, the tragedy is we have tried to make it something we can produce because that's what we do. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're good at that production. <laughs> and so we just make it something that we can produce and then we can sell it. And so we've got four spiritual laws and we've got these things that tell you how to do the kingdom. Right. Right. Instead of looking at what the essence of the kingdom is. Yeah. Right. And, and we lose that essence because, like you said, we're pinning it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're going to pin the kingdom. This is it. Follow these guidelines. And we've just, you know, I think it was F.F. Bruce, the scholar who said Paul would be rolling over in his grave if he knew we made his writings into Torah. All right. We've taken the New Testament, made it law. Mm. Instead of these were letters to people living in communities. We're reading someone else's mail, people. 
right? We're only getting one side of this conversation. Mm -hmm. There's so much there that we don't see that we have to be careful how we tread on those Mm -hmm. things. Otherwise, we start making law out of letters. Mm. And it's not a good thing to do. Mm. Um, Let's see. What was another thing that I said? (laughs) What did I say? Uh, Maybe talk. I I wrote down here to ask Sam to speak more about the comparison of Jesus to Moses. And why that was so significant. Like you were you were saying, you know, he was doing things that were reminiscent of, right? Mm-hmm. And that in itself was communicating something to them about who yeah. Jesus was. And, oh gosh, if you were to go into like Hebrews, something better. Jesus is better, greater. Um, <laughs> you know, than Moses. And that's a heavy thing. Um, he would later on in, in the same sermon say, you have heard it said... And then he would mention something, you know, whether it be, um, you shall not commit murder. But I tell you mm-hmm. that anyone who calls his brother a fool or is angry with cause has committed murder in his heart, right? And so Jesus is using Moses and then comparing his words to Moses. And it's kind of funny because we usually think that, oh, Moses and the law, those are the strict things, but Jesus, that's grace. But everything Jesus says is actually more strict, <laughs> right? It's like, you've heard it said not to commit adultery, but I say whoever looks at a woman and lusts after her has committed adultery in his heart, right? It's like, well, that's worse, right? That, that's not grace. That's like more on me. But he, he's trying to get to a heart. He's trying to deal with the heart. He's trying to expose um, the weakness of the system that was existing mm-hmm. and how they were using it. And so... He is not slamming Moses, but he is comparing himself to Moses and then showing something that is deeper still, Mm -hmm. which is making himself more important than Moses, which is blasphemy to those people, Mm -hmm. right? But what he is doing and how he is doing it isn't just elevating himself, right? He's not just saying, I'm better than Moses. He's just saying, here's what Moses says. I'm telling you that it's deeper than that still. And I am going to live out this depth that I'm talking about by actually giving of myself completely, Mm -hmm. right? And so he's not trying to elevate himself. He is actually elevating the purpose of the kingdom and he's going to live it out yeah and go to a cross right yeah and so how do you you know disqualify someone how do you not see that this person is not trying to make themselves great right because you would think that by comparing yourself to someone great and then challenging that with something deeper that he's trying to make himself great, but that's not at all what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so then the question is, well, what is he trying to do, right? And he's trying to make the kingdom great. And everything he's doing is for this kingdom, um, which is hard for us because I haven't thought through this a whole lot so I want to be careful how I say it Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be more of a heretic than I am but 
it's almost like Jesus is not really trying to be the focal point. He is trying to make something else the focal point. And he's using himself and his sacrifice to point to what is greater. Yeah. Well, it brought me back to you were saying meek be using the definition of mm. those who don't take advantage of their position. Yeah. And I feel like a lot in my personal life has really been challenging me within my positionality mm -hmm. and ensuring that I don't do that. <laughs> right. So leading and, and setting example of what servant leadership looks like and like bringing a whole different type of leadership. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that's powerful. I mean, that whole idea of meek being someone who doesn't use their position. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what Jesus exemplified. Yeah. You know, um, and that's the example we're to follow in. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because Moses is called the meekest person, uh, you know, um, and now here's Jesus, you know, really exemplifying that even meeker. more so. Meeker. <laughs> I'm meeker than you. <laughs> um, but I guess seeing how meekness is, Jesus had the position of power and he didn't use it. Right. Right. He had a, he had all these followers. He had people wanting to make him king. Right. And all the things that he said, I could call down legions, you know, to, to back me up of angels, but he didn't. Right. All power uh, in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he tells us to so go. Right. He gives it away to all these people. Yeah. Here's all my power. It's yours. Now go in it. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that's pretty powerful. Uh, Jordan asked a question here. When Jesus is making Moses comparisons, like you have heard it said not to murder, but I say has committed, has committed murder in his heart. Does Jesus ever actually condemn the murder? Um, I think he does it by implication. I'm trying to think of, I guess the question of condemning it, um, what, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean by, like, just say murder's bad? Yeah, because you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. And then he's saying, if you do this, but I say to you, so separate from that, uh, if you do this, you've committed murder in your heart. Mm -hmm. But he never says, like, don't murder. Yeah. I think it's a little implicit in there that murder's still bad. This is just where the murder starts. Not like not either or, but both and. Yeah, kind of, kind of like, well, because adultery, you know, but adultery starts in the heart, you know. Um, yeah, we're going to get into it because, you know, a lot of people want to take Jesus real literal and say, okay, yeah, well, lusting is just like adultery. Well, he's not saying it's just like adultery and he's not saying adultery is okay. Because later he would say, if your right hand offends you, cut it off, right? Mm. It's like, now, yeah. Or your eyes offend you, gouge it out, right? We, we have a blind, you know, bunch of people. Um, so I, I don't think he's taking away that this one's wrong. He's just trying to get to the essence of what is wrong with it. That's kind of how I would interpret it. Good question. Again, any other questions, feel free to chime in out there if you guys have any. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that Jesus was doing 
that I, I talk about is when he says, uh, you know, some of these things mentioning uh, like the poor in spirit or those who mourn, it's coming from Isaiah and, and it's about the restoration of Israel uh, and the return of Yahweh to Zion after exile. And so there's a real comparison with what he's saying to what's happening, mm -hmm. right? Where they're looking at the return of God to Zion from exile and Jesus is coming and saying, this is happening now, mm -hmm. right? This is something that is happening now. And meek and those who hunger and thirst after righteousness from Psalms uh, 37 and 107, it has to do with the repossession of the land, right? They are coming and taking back the land. And so the meek will inherit the earth is actually meek will inherit the land. Mm -hmm. You know, this land will now be brought back to them. And it, it was something that they would see and also understand that there was a comparison of the righteousness to the wicked. And the wicked in this place would have been the Pharisees, would have been the Romans. And so they would have automatically seen that, oh, when he was talking about this in the Psalms, he was also talking about that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, again, in Luke's gospel, there are the woes after the blessings because Luke had to spell it out. Matthew didn't, but mm -hmm. it was there. Mm -hmm. And they understood it was there. The political indictment on the Pharisees and on Rome which is why, again, it's a very political uh, statement. Actually, talking with your brother afterwards, Jordan, um, Blaine was this Blaine, and he was, you know, I was talking to him about the political statement of, you know, Jesus is Lord. Well, Caesar is Lord was written on the Roman coin, mm -hmm. and so Jesus is Lord is a smack in the face of Rome and what they were saying, mm -hmm. right? And so those kinds of things that are happening, and Jesus is putting those things out here as well, that you don't really see it unless you know what he's talking about, that culture, because they're filling in the blanks. Mm -hmm. You know, they they know the the rest of the lyrics to that sitcom, mm -hmm. right? To this, <laughs> that comparison. We know sitcom lyrics, they knew the Torah, right? But that's really how it was. They knew what was being said there because of their education and understanding. I think that's what I, I, even going back again to one of the comments that I made in the beginning, audience being so critical to mm -hmm. what's being said, and yeah. not only in the understanding of this, but when we're reflecting and thinking about the audience that we speak to, whether it's on Sunday, at the grocery store, at yeah. work, all of those things, like, and the only way you can know your audience, right, mm -hmm. is it being in relationship with them. Yeah. So then you know when how to speak just as calculated as Jesus was when he chose to speak to this group specifically. I think we're called to that too, you know, yeah. be, be, it's not that he didn't have a reputation or people didn't know about him prior to this. Yeah. He already did have a reputation. He knew like people knew, you know, yeah. but he didn't choose to speak like to this, at this capacity until just then. Right. Yeah. And so I think how intentional he was with, his words and how that also calls us to like, Hey, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, they call Same it thing. stringing pearls. Yes. Right? They call it stringing pearls because that's what he was doing. He was putting these pearls together where, you know, we could say, well, God so loved the world. And most of us would finish that scripture because mm-hmm. we know it. And so he would say these things and most people would put the rest of the pearls together yeah. in that way. And, and Paul did that. Paul did that through the book of Acts. Um, Acts 17, when Paul's in Athens, right, and speaking to the Greeks there, he spoke totally different. Um, I think it's in chapter 10 or 14. I don't remember. There's two places where Paul and Barnabas are speaking to the Gentiles, and they speak totally different than when they're speaking in the synagogue, mm-hmm. right? Paul does not quote the Hebrew scriptures to the Gentiles because they don't know those scriptures. Mm -hmm. And instead, what Paul does is he quotes their scriptures to them. He says, your own poets, your own prophets have said, Mm -hmm. in him we live and move and have our being, right? That's a totally pagan statement, but he takes it and he transplants it into the message he's communicating, and then they start to understand it, right? And, And I think that's something that we do fail to do. You know, we try and take the words that we read and we try and just plant them, you know, here, I'm going to pull it up and put it over there to someone who doesn't understand uh, agrarian culture and these terminologies. They don't understand the blood of the lamb. What are you telling me? <laughs> right. Those kinds of things we throw at people and they're like, yeah, you need to receive, you got to be washed in the blood. It's like, no, thank you. I'm okay. You keep your, you know, whatever that is you're doing over there. <laughs> and it was what, I mean, they actually thought the the Roman people in the Greek culture or the Gentiles um, thought that the Christians were um, atheists because they didn't have idols of worship. And so they said, well, these people don't worship God. And they thought they were cannibals because they spoke of the body and blood and partaking of the body and blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So there's all these misconceptions and things being put out there that were taken just from some things that they had and misconstrued, Mm -hmm. right? And then we still do it today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do it a lot. You know, when we tell people they just need to hear the word, it's like, what does that mean? The word, hear what word, you know? What do you mean? You have a word for me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you need to, yeah. What what does that mean? Uh, Yeah, and I think even though, like, covered in the blood of Christ, like a word, like all of those things are very, yes, like church, right? And then Mm -hmm. there's just like, other words that have been, I don't know, like I'll use fellowship or steward or in this season. And my coworkers are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, I'm reclaiming this. Like this type of language can be you, like wrestle, you know, like those things. I was like, no, we can use this types of language. It's not yeah. just for one space. Right. But it's calling yeah. you to a different level of engagement in yeah. other areas outside of just church. Right? Yeah. And you have to, I mean, cause yeah, those words are powerful and those Pictures are powerful, but you have to paint them, right? Yeah. It was kind of like that shadow art. You, If you yeah, don't yeah. shine the light on this, right. it's just a block of wood. Mm-hmm. You know, you shine the light on and then you see the picture of it. And I think the same thing has to happen with some of our language. We we want to just throw it out there because this is our terminology and we don't want to put the work into explaining it or having to define it a little bit better. Yeah. So some of those things are definitely taking place. And, and definitely Jesus going through these blessings is really appealing to this one group of people who would hear it and say, Oh, you know what he's saying, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, he, he's 
he's talking about them, right? <laughs> he's talking about those people over there. And they knew what he was saying. That's, why, again, why they crucified him, mm -hmm. right? It's like, we got to get rid of this guy because right. he's making us look really bad. Right. And so Jesus was being very direct and he was indicting those people who were in power. And that's why this whole series is called The Politics of Jesus is because he wasn't just being passive like, oh, I'm just going to tell you everyone to be nice to each other. He was saying be nice to each other, but these guys, they're crooks. Right? And that's why, you know, you start standing up for some things and people start trying to knock you down. Yeah. You know, it's just how it is. But it's worth it. It's mm. definitely worth mm -hmm. it. Um, any other thoughts? I mean, I'm kind of, I think we covered quite a bit here. I but. wrote my last little note on here. I wrote the church was birthed out of outcasts and misfits mm -hmm. first service. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I just love that it was outside and everyone was just hanging and it was cause he saw a crowd and he's like, I'm going over there. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't all the everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was very raw. Yeah. And, and it, you know, the church has always, or the church was born in that. You know, in Acts, there mm -hmm. were thousands that came forward. Mm -hmm. What a nightmare. <laughs> a logistical yeah. nightmare. Okay, where Don't do we think. meet next Sunday, right? I mean, who's who's got the children's ministry, right? Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. It, it's like all these things, they just started doing life together. Right. They started doing life together and we keep wanting to make that happen. But it's so difficult because we have our ways of thinking. We, and, you know, I mean, like with our children, we want to do something that's meaningful to the kids and helpful and connecting to our children. And it's so difficult um, to do sometimes in the way that we have in mind, you know, mm -hmm. and so how can we do it better? You know, they were just there with them. But yeah. man, that would be so... We we tried that one time. Remember we had like a, a potluck. It was a Christmas dinner or something. And we had kids here. We thought, yeah, let the kids here. Oh, God, that was awful. Yeah, it was just like chaotic, right? The kids were like behind things and like things are falling over. And people are like... Kids are running by certain people who have no kids. And they're like, you get your kids away from me. Um, <laughs> and so how do we do life together that works? And it's it is a, a kind of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit of this, a little give and take, and it's a little ebb and flow. Um, but it can be meaningful. Those are the times that are meaningful, and we're trying yeah. to step into that. And it's not easy, and it's a little chaotic sometimes. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah, it's good for a few reasons. I think. When you step into spaces, not that are unorganized, but are authentic, mm -hmm. then like it allows folks to experience things together for the first time, as opposed to having leaders of, of culture, mm -hmm. right? It's something yeah. that's organically being grown and nurtured together. And I yeah. think my um, what I loved when I was teaching at Whittier is the courses that I would teach, I wouldn't write a lot of the syllabus because I'm like, I need to learn with you. You mm. know, the, 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 yeah. the role of teacher and learner needs to be fluid in order for like real authentic mm. truth and understanding to come out yeah. because I wasn't then approaching things with, as the expert, right? Like yeah. this is a space I've been given. Let's fill it together. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Gosh, there's not a time more important for that to happen than right now yeah. with students. Yeah. Coming out of COVID. Yeah. And if we don't hear what they have gone through. 100%. And have learned, you know, how many of them lost grandparents, right. you know, had to give up pets, how many parents have lost jobs, they've had to move and all these things. And now we're going to just, okay, open up your books. It's like they are the book that we need to be reading and learning from yeah. and processing with. 100%. You know. Um, and, and I think, gosh, that applies. I mean, I think of like the get together at Ben's house uh, last week. I had such a great time. Yeah. Right. And I had some deep conversations. Yeah. Right. I mean, I had some great conversations with people. And I think that's how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. And like you were saying, it, it's not a leader leading this thing. You know, I didn't get up and give a Bible study. You know, everyone open your Bibles now. Have you finished eating? Okay, yeah. good. We're going to go through the word right. together. Um we just had conversation mm -hmm. and that's how leaders are developed, right? Right. Cause they have communication and they start leading and they start helping people up. And I think we have squashed that idea of leadership by organizing it and making it so, you know, ego driven yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and just, yeah. And then even product driven, you know, we're going to yeah, produce something. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, definitely want to, help people to get more involved, engaged, hear their voices, see them do things and elevate that. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> well, thanks, Alex. Thank you, birthday boy. You're welcome. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for tuning in. And again, remember, 6.30, we're going to do this for a while, see how it develops um, to get together at 6.30, kind of talk a little bit. We can talk about what I talked about Sunday. We can talk about whatever else you want to talk about. Just have an open conversation and hopefully that'll just continue and spill out into the take two. That was the whole purpose of it. And so I hope you guys will tune in and join in with you when you can. Yeah. Thanks right. folks. Have a good rest of the week. All right, you guys Bye. take care. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.